Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I am here for this podcast. I'm Bob. How's it going, everybody? I am really ready to get into this one because I have <laughs> two beers and a lot of feelings in my body right now. Just okay, we, so we literally, just to give the audience a heads up, we literally just watched this one. And looked at each other and kind of went, are we going to record this right now? And we both were like, yep. Yes, we are. So you've started off the last couple episodes with a thinker question. I've got a quick thinker one for you today. Ooh, I'm happy to uh, to get, hand over the reins on that one. So I know you saw, but as our guest may or may not have seen, some workers at a prison got in trouble because they were essentially torturing the people in the prison by playing baby shark on repeat and i actually kind of like the song baby shark i don't doubt that that is inhumane to make someone listen to it on repeat but it just got me thinking what song would make me absolutely insane if i had to hear it non-stop so my question for you is specifically what disney movie song would you least want to have to hear on repeat i say movie because everyone would just say it's a small world if you just say a disney right. song Right, what right, right. Disney movie song could you not hear over and over and over again? Uh, I think it would be You Could Fly. Really? I don't know why. It just... I, I'm good with hearing it, like watching the movie, and, and be like, okay, cool, that part is done and it's fun. But I think on repeat, that would just get into my soul. I could see that. It is kind of repetitive, too. Yeah. Uh, I think that mine would probably be the silly song from Snow White. The ones with the dwarves yodeling. Mm. It's cute for that one scene. Yeah. But that one would probably drive me a little crazy. I'm in agreement with that. I, I, I could understand that. Well, just for the audience, in case we can't edit it out and it's and it's one of those things, if while I'm talking you actually hear a little bit of snoring, no, I have not fallen asleep while talking. Uh, our Beagle Beckett is uh, laying here in the corner, you know, enjoying my vocal stylings, as it were. And also she's on gabapentin, which is like a real deal painkiller controlled drug. So she's sleeping real hard nowadays and there's really she no stopping no it. She no control. <laughs> so. All right. I'm so ready to get into this. Let's get into some news. All right. All right. 
I'll start off with the Marvel Minute. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Since last time, we've not gotten a lot of information about the Fury show other than, yes, Samuel L. Jackson is going to be in it, and eventually it's going to be uh, some sort of lead-in, a lot of speculation towards some sort of secret evasion comic line. We'll keep you posted as soon as we hear something. We've had some casting news at, right after we recorded the last one. Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, has been cast for the MCU for the Disney Plus series, self-titled Ms. Marvel. Iman Vellani will be our Kamala Khan. She is a relatively unknown. She's been associated with a bunch of film festivals and different things, but generally she is a newcomer, which I'm excited for, and I think she's 18 years old, so she's young enough to play a high schooler, because I think that's where we're going. I think we're going to have Peter Parker being on his way towards college, and I think she's going to be the new high school age person. Yeah, other than that, there's not a lot going on. There's lots of speculation going on around Moon Knight and who our villains are going to be with everything coming up. But we're kind of in a slower slump right now outside of that. So as soon as we know of something, we'll push it on to you guys. As far as non-Marvel news goes, Disney Plus Group Watch is live, so you can now watch a movie in separate homes at the same time with your buddy and the little group viewing thing. I haven't given it a try yet, but I'm excited about it. My bestie lives a little bit away, about to be really far away, so I'm certain I will use this at some point. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm interested to see how it works. We have Disney Plus on our Xbox, so... I, I guess, can we invite people to our account and use that? Or do they have to have a Disney Plus account? I'm not sure how this works yet, but... I would assume that they have to have a Disney Plus account. Okay. Well, I guess it would just sync you up, I guess? I think so. Like, you would be watching the same thing at the same time, instead of having to count it down, three, two, one, hit play kind of deal. No, that's, yeah, that's exactly perfect for you guys, and especially if we end up, you know, bringing Susan back for the podcast, so... Yeah, for sure. Or other guests. Or other guests. Other than that, just have mostly a bunch of announcements of things coming out. There's an extended version of Zenimation available now on Disney+. Plus. I haven't watched this yet. I need to give it a try, because if it's just going to be really pretty, beautiful scenes, they're showing stuff from Moana and Rescuers Down Under and the trailer. If it's going to be that kind of stuff, I'm all on board. But I get the impression that maybe it's a little bit ASMR, and ASMR stuff actually kind of has the opposite effect on me with a lot of sounds. So I'm intrigued by it, and I'm pretty sure I would either love it or hate it, depending on what exactly it is. If it's like Disney instrumental music, great. But if it's like super turned up, rustly, watery kind of sound effects, that is not going to be my jam. See, I love the water. I, I love a thunderstorm. Uh, mostly any of the natural nature effects, the wind, things like that, I'm good for. You lose me on white noise and stuff, but I don't see that being the Disney way. My only thought is if it's art, if that's what they're going for, if the art of those things, then maybe the pencil noise? or I, I, I don't know. I don't know where we would go with it. Yeah, I don't know either. I just gotta turn it on one day and check it out. Next, this is a correction. I swear when I saw the trailer for... Secret Society of Secondborn Royals. It said July. It is streaming right now. It started streaming this past week. Oh! I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Okay. I swear it said July. But it's available now. Go watch it. My wife is losing her mind, everyone. Apparently. 
Also streaming now is a series called Becoming. It is basically little origin stories for different actors, including Nick Kroll, Julianne Hough, Nick Cannon, Ashley Tisdale, and more. Just kind of how they came to be who they are as celebrities. The Right Stuff series begins streaming tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday night. Friday, October 9th, The Right Stuff will begin streaming. It's going to start off with the first two episodes available. So by the time you're listening to this, this will already be up and running. That's right. Also coming out on October 16th is a documentary called Clouds, based on the true story of Zach Soye. I think I'm saying that right. That sounded like how he said it, but it's spelled S-O-B-I-E-C-H. So I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. This is a true story of this kid, Zach, who was diagnosed and eventually passed away from cancer. He was a musician, and he, I guess, wrote the song Clouds, which when it played in the trailer, it sounded familiar. So I think I heard it, and apparently it hit number one the day after he died. Oh. Um, Yeah. But it is a documentary about him and who he was as a person and how much he inspired people, the release of that song, and how much it's meant to people. It looks really good. Have tissues ready, I think. That's right up there with the guy who came up with Rent didn't get to see Rent go live on Broadway. Ugh. Yeah. Also coming out October 16th is Meet the Chimps, which is a National Geographic special, and it's narrated by Jane Lynch, obviously about chimpanzees. And then last but not least for you, I have High School Musical, the musical The Holiday Special. It will stream on December 11th and will also include a sneak peek of season two of the series. Oh, okay. I was very confused. The way that you were talking about it, I thought we were bringing the original cast back for a holiday series. And I was like, really? Zac Efron's up for that already? No, 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 no. All right. Let's get into this fucking movie. We're going to earn the explicit tag probably more than we have. You already started to date. it. it oof, okay. So this movie is called The Boy Who Talked to Badgers. It was a two-part TV show that came out in 1975. It is based on the book Incident at Hawks Hill by Alan E. Eckert. The author claimed it was based on a true story, but he provided no evidence or specifics about that. They're thinking that he just kind of based it on local legend. Our drink for this week is a layered shot. The bottom layer is creme de cacao, and the top layer is rum chata. It makes a nice little black and white shot that looks like a striped badger. Also, based on reviews, which were glowing of last week's live alcohol imbibing, Bob has suggested that we drink our drinks while we're recording. So here we are. We're going to do our shot of the badger. Salut. It's really good. (laughs) That is the smoothest drink that we have had on this show yet. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right. This movie starts and it opens with the wonderful world of Disney shot of the castle. Like it was obviously kind of one of those specials. Yeah, I definitely remember that opening with the old school animated Tinkerbell coming in front of the castle and doing all that. And that was actually pretty nostalgic. I was like, okay, I'm settling in. I'm kind of feeling my childhood again. Yeah. Same. So the movie opens and we are watching this kid, Ben, kind of run around in the prairie. The narrator is talking about how Ben gets along better with animals than he does with people. And some say he could even talk to them. So he is frolicking around on Hawk's Hill. And while he is, he looks up and there's a hawk circling above him. He whistles to the hawk and the hawk comes down and lands on his bare ass hand. 
Yeah, like and not on his arm, like straight up no. on his fist. On his small, small boy hand. And that was not a tiny hawk. Like that probably has about at least 250 to 300 PSI in its grip. Yeah. And it's just chilling on this small boy's hand. Let me just cast this out there. Honey, why would you know any of this? Have you ever seen a hawk in your life? Yes, I've actually worked with many birds of prey from as small as a kestrel to as large as a bald eagle. Bald eagles have about a thousand PSI in their grip. Harris's hawks have about 300. And this hawk was bigger than a Harris's hawk. So saying it was about 250 is being generous. It was actually probably closer to four to 500 PSI. Now what was really interesting is it wasn't like a fake bird. No, like it was obviously some trained falconry bird, but like yeah. still on a child's hand. It's unnerving. So, so much for child safety laws back in the 70s. Yeah, and I noticed that while he was holding the hawk, they kept filming it from this really weird angle that was blocking the kid's face with the hawk's body. And such an awkward angle to the point where I legitimately am wondering if they were strategically covering the kid's face to hide how scared he was. Because, <laughs> like, they just did not show the kid at all. It was really weird. Yeah. So anyway, the hawk flies away and then up runs this adorable badger and he just opens up his little paper and feeds the badger his lunch. Yeah, what he was feeding him, I couldn't tell. They didn't show us what it was. I'm assuming some kind of sandwich situation, probably. Mm. But so far, we're like less than two minutes into this movie and you have a kid holding a wild hawk on his bare hand and feeding wild animals his packaged lunch. So like, we're starting off real strong in my book already. Yeah, this was made in the 70s, right? 75. Okay, this is not the time period in which the movie takes place. No, this is Prairie Days. Think Little House on the Prairie, kind of. Yeah. And it takes place in Canada. I don't know if they ever actually said it in the movie, but in the descriptions for it, it all said it was no, in No, and that was one of the things I was going to comment on and ask you about, because I couldn't really figure that out, number one, where it took place. But number two, they had every kind of landmark feature. We went from plains to what kind of looked like the Grand Canyon to a small forest creek. I was like, where in the world do we have all of these features within Prairie Day circles? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Well, apparently the answer is Canada. Well, hey, yo Canada, I kind of want to visit because if that actually is what it looks like, it was, don't get me wrong, shot beautifully. The rolling hills, the gorgeous canyons, the streams, the rapids, everything looked freaking phenomenal, especially for the 70s camera work. Yeah, that's true. It was nicely filmed. So next we cut to a family dinner scene. Here we learn that the dad is cranky and kind of doom and gloom. The mom is sweet and she covers for Ben when he doesn't do his chores. And Ben has an older brother named John who gives him a knife and a pep talk before Ben starts his first day of school. Uh, speaking of the dad, I felt like if that was filmed today, it probably would have been played by Brian Cranston. I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Because he's kind of gruff on the father. outside, yeah. but it turns out he's a big softy on the inside. I kind of felt it. As much as they were like alluding to, oh, I'm rough and tumble and I'm not going to deal with my feelings. The whole time he was wearing a pink shirt. And not that that's like feminizing per se, but it was just like oddly out there compared to everyone else wearing browns 
and grays throughout the thing. And I'm like, dad's wearing a pink shirt. It's kind of weird. Maybe that was a particular choice made by the costume department for that reason. So the dad has hired this sketchy ass trapper to catch the badgers on their property. And I hate this movie already. (laughs) (laughs) While they're talking to this sketchy ass trapper, his dog goes after one of their roosters and the rooster flies into Ben's arms. And then Ben's like, no, don't hurt my chicken. And the dog backs down. And then the trapper reprimands the kid because his dog would have gone after the kid and the rooster. Yeah. Because the kid was hiding it. The kid got in trouble because his dog couldn't be trusted not to go after him. What? Here's my favorite part of that whole exchange. Not 10 seconds before the rooster incident, guy looks at dad and says, well, my dog listens to all my commands. Yeah, he sure did say that. Uh, does he? I don't, I don't know about that. Okay, whatever. I'm gonna let that slide for now. And they kind of imply that maybe Ben told the dog not to attack him, and the dog listened. Do with that as you will. Yeah, other than the hawk, to me, the name of this movie is very one-sided in the way that it is. It's the boy who talked to badgers, okay? So they kind of implied that whole Dr. Doolittle thing with the hawk, the badger, whatever. Other than the hawk, this kid talks to animals, but I don't think the animals give a shit about this kid. Oh yeah, I have many notes on that later on in the movie. Don't you worry. (laughs) Don't you worry. So that night, Ben overhears his parents talking. His dad is concerned that Ben is going to have trouble making friends at school. And then mom kind of calls dad out on his bullshit because dad is also not a top-notch communicator. And apparently she just basically had to say, are you asking me to marry you or not? So she's like, go easy on him. Like, we all have our own personal struggles. But at least the dad seems loving and concerned. Like you were saying, throughout this movie, that was probably the thing I liked the most, or at all, about this movie, was the relationship with the dad and the son. See, I kept going back and forth with it. It was real weird. Like, one second, he was a complete asshole. And, like, literally, 30 seconds later, the scene would change. Complete reversal. Yeah, I get what they were going for with it, though, and I think- Hold on, just wait. Let, let's let let this one ride, because when we get to a certain part of this movie, I literally just went, okay, uh, I'm just gonna let this play out as it is, because I can't. I can't. Okay. So the next morning, Mom is a pushover, and Ben convinces her to just let him have one more day without going to school. He just wants to frolic in the prairie one more day. He goes off frolicking in the prairie. He sees the badger, but she's busy in a territory fight with a coyote, so he just leaves them be. Like you do. Like you do. He keeps on going, and then he comes across a mama bobcat and two kittens. And just rolls up there. Romps around with them for a while. Mama bobcat doesn't do shit about it. Nope. And then he hand feeds a fawn. Like you do. Again, we were in the prairies... And then all of a sudden, he's in a wooded forest. It just, I wanted to know where this movie was taking place because one second we're in the prairie, one second we're in like the deep, luscious, greenest woods you've ever seen in your life. He did a lot of walking, Bob. No, well, we'll, yeah. So while he is frolicking in the prairie, he likes to make up his own games, one of which is chasing a trout. Like you do. He just tromps down the stream and torments this fish and (laughs) tries to grab it multiple times. It's great fun for the fish. It wriggles out of his hands. Oh, ha ha ha. 
And then he's just going to chase it some more and try to grab it again. And this is a fun game in the Prairie Days, apparently. So while he's chasing after this trout, he goes too far. He gets caught up in some rapids and he grabs onto a giant log. And he and that log float way, way, way down the river until he can grab another tree and pull himself up to shore. My favorite part of when he first goes into the water is clearly this kid was not winning an Academy Award. He goes into the rapids and then like falls over. Oh no. I'm just looking at it going, stand up kid. Stand, 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 <laughs> yeah. stand, stand up. Which cheers to them for not actually putting a child in a dangerous situation. But Absolutely. Like, they did not do a good job of making it look like a dangerous situation. I mean, I guess for the 70s it would have worked. We're of a different age and whatnot. So yeah. it's hard to, you know, deal with that. But my favorite part of that scene is if you watch the background of the log coming down the river there, the log is completely dry. They just put that log in there and just <laughs> pushed it down. So, kiddo is missing. Esther, the mom, begs dad to go looking for him because he's not answering the calls. And by the calls, I mean those big triangle bells that they used back in Prairie Days. The dinner bell! Yes. But dad is much more concerned with bringing all of the wheat in before the rain hits. Like, what? Yeah. So, I'm like all ready to be really mad at dad. That was my first thing. I was like, oh... Screw that kid. And dad is even worried about this storm. He straight up said it about the wheat. Screw his kid. But then when he and John go back out into the fields, he admits that he is actually very scared for Ben's safety, but he didn't want to panic the mom more. So he and John split off and they go looking for Ben. Good job, dad. Good job, dad. Well. I mean, not a good job that you made your wife think that you weren't going to go searching for your child. You could have maybe acted not super panicked and still gone and searched for him, but... Misogyny at its best. Yeah, but he is at least going and searching for his child, so good job. And then there are a lot of minutes spent watching people wander around and yell Ben's name. Legitimately, yeah. I'm pretty sure that if you cut out all of the footage of people just wandering around yelling this Ben... This could have easily been a half hour show. Hyperbole a half hour, but like legitimately you could have cut 15 to 20 minutes out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of people just riding around on horses yelling names. Finally, Benji gets to a relatively calm area in the river and climbs his way out. Now, once again, I'm not trying to hark on the kid because the kid, honestly, for his age and whatnot, I thought he did a, a decent job. But the way he crawls out of the river looked like he broke his back. He doesn't use his legs at all and just like army crawls out of it. And then he finally gets up to the thing and he's acting like his leg is kind of hurt. And I looked at Kate and I was like, is he trying to tell us he broke his ankle? They didn't do any makeup. They didn't. Yeah, he just kind of like rubs his foot and has a pained look on his face. And as it turns out, it looks like he maybe sprained it pretty badly. Yeah. So Ben wanders around and comes across this giant boulder thing with a little cave in it. And he curls up in there, goes to sleep for the night. The next morning, there's been a search party. They can't find the kid. Trapper douche says right next to the mom, very loudly, ask me last night was a waste of time. Well, like looking for a needle in a haystack, a pure waste of time. And then the mom like walks off in tears. And as she was walking away, he says, seems like I upset her. <laughs> like, fuck this guy so hard. I hate him. Yeah, I hate yeah, everything about him. Trapper Burton was not the smartest 
cookie and the crayon pack. I don't I don't know how to mix those metaphors enough to show you how stupid this guy was. And on top of that, he's talking to these guys who were literally up all night in the pouring rain who got drenched looking for this kid. And then you come back with, well, it was a big, big waste of time anyway, blah, blah, blah. And as Kate already said, you know, in earshot of the mom, but also in earshot of the dad. And I was kind of like, I'm very surprised at this point that dad hasn't said anything. He does come up to mom and be like, he's he's not worth it. Don't listen to him, blah, blah, blah. But it, it felt weird that he didn't, I don't know. I guess he was just grateful that they were helping, I guess, is the best thing I can go with. Yeah, I mean, he says to the wife afterward, I know he sucks, but we need him. He's a good tracker. So... They established when they went on these search parties that they would fire five shots in the air if they found a clue or something. So while he's talking to his wife, this dude starts barreling towards the farm on horseback, just shooting his gun. And I completely forgot that that was the (laughs) signal. And I thought this bro was just like rolling up, ready to rain hellfire. And I was like, what the fuck movie is this? I'm coming to kill you all. And then I realized what was happening. So (laughs) he... (laughs) (laughs) no my favorite part of that was by the time that this guy was shooting the five shots he could have taken the what 45 seconds that would have taken him to get from where he was to the house to tell everyone else what was going on right like he was right there (laughs) yeah it I, i was like okay that's cool but i guess everybody was ready to go but they all ran up to him and were like what where, did you find him? And he was like, no, I heard five shots, so I wanted to come and do it for you. Okay, you could have just come and told us that. So, long story short, they have found his shoes by the river. He took his shoes off before he went to chase the trout. Pretty much everyone but the parents is assuming that this kid has drowned and he is dead. But mom is convinced he's alive and dad is being supportive and trying to have faith and also hoping that he is still alive. Yeah. We get back to Ben in the cave. His old buddy, the badger, has come to visit. I just really enjoyed watching animal actors and seeing how they're trained and how they're behaving in their scenes. And that badger is 100% looking for baited food around that kid's body. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, he does not give two shits about that kid. He's, like, burying his head under him. There's obviously some food hidden behind that kid. And the badger is like, let me have it. (laughs) Yeah, the boy who talked the badgers and the badgers who didn't give a shit. Yeah. That should be the real name of this movie. (laughs) That being said, what I found really interesting, again, is in the writing of this, the thought process behind this, the kid has traveled, we're saying, an extended distance down this river. He's washed out of his natural habitat. He has no idea where he is. But this badger, who probably has a a social distance of probably less than a mile, in my opinion. I'm not an animal expert. I don't know if you could weigh in on that at all. But it just seemed a little odd to me that this badger, his badger, is roaming what we would assume would be at least a 5 to 25 mile radius. I don't know. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that badgers have a large territory. They've got those squat little legs. I'm googling badge territory size right now. Please. Let's see. At most, a sixth of a mile. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) Just a small plot hole going on here. Just a little five-minute walk away. <laughs> oh, God. That's really funny. Okay. Apparently, this badger is the Lewis and Clark of badgers. 
There's a new t-shirt idea there for you. Oh, God, I'm picturing it in my head. (laughs) So Badger has caught a fish, and Ben is pissed because he fed the badger his lunch, and the wild animal doesn't want to share its food. Which, by the way, I've heard horror stories about how nasty badgers can be. Not to mention those huge freaking claws on the front of his paws. And this kid is just like, I'm gonna reach in here and grab the tail of the fish that you're trying to eat. Yeah, a badger will fuck you up. Especially a North American badger. I saw... I think it was like a tweet or a Tumblr post or something, but somebody said basically North American badgers look like they are going to fuck you up and English badgers look like they want to invite you over for tea. (laughs) And this is an American badger. (laughs) Yeah. So he reaches for the fish and the badger's like, I will take off your hands. I will fucking kill you. It sounded like a murloc. And Ben just chastises it a little bit and then just takes the fish and cuts them off for himself. Which, by the way, if you notice, if you watch very carefully, there's a cut in between there. Uh, some, some sort of pacifying for that badger had happened. Oh, yes. So I guess we're supposed to assume that since he lectured the badger about what he was owed, the badger is now complying because he talks to badgers? Yeah, I mean, clearly the badger is of the fae-like and therefore, you know, give and take balancing of the scales. He, I mean, he just reminded him that. <laughs> The next day, we get the exact same thing. He rips the fish away from the badger because that's what's fair. And again, the badger does not seem cool with this. No. So then the parents are searching. More emphasis on the parents thinking he's still alive. Everyone else is now looking at them like they are crazy and pathetic. This kid is totes dead. And yet, they keep talking about how they keep adding more search party members. And yet... Everyone keeps looking at them like, why are we here? Yeah. He's totally dead. And they talk about it. They're like, it's been a week. Okay, so this kid has been out in the wild in the same clothes and whatnot that he got poured on for a week eating nothing but badger scraps. Uh, I I don't know. It's just a little far-fetched. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, I thought to myself, you know, if people want to watch a movie where a young boy gets lost in the wilderness and actually talks to animals just watch the rescuers down under it's such a better movie when when was that made 90 yeah that's the issue we're talking 70s versus 90s so they didn't have that option yet but also it's just a baller movie go watch it no true the next morning badger wakes him up and then runs off and obviously to ben this means that the badger is leading him back to hawks hill because the badger ran over him and then ran away really fast Whenever my dog runs over me and then runs out of the room, I'm like, oh, we're going to Hawks Hill. Obviously. So this badger is hauling ass. And the kid is like got this makeshift cane and he is hobbling behind him. And the kid's like, you just keep running. I'll catch up. And there's literally nothing in this movie that gives any implication that any of these animals are actually interacting with this child. (laughs) No, This badger is just like deuces. I don't understand. And they go to a wide shot of the kid and then the distance. You don't even see the grass moving from the badger. Badger's fucking gone. He's gone. (laughs) At this point, the kid's like, oh, we must be over halfway home. Because they get to a place that they've been before. And they see Mr. Hawk. Yes, they see Mr. Hawk. But, dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Trapper douche has set a trap. The badger smells the food in the trap. Okay, so clearly we are back in range 
of the family's farm because they hired Trapper to catch the badger. Yes, we are within the family's land at this point is what is being implied. But all I can think is, so help me God, if this badger dies, I will kill someone. And the badger just goes hog wild for this trap. Yeah, and I know it was a fake trap. I fully understand that. But they have this trap with the camera directly behind it. So you've got basically what a bear trap looks like, but smaller, with this piece of meat on it directly in front of the camera, huge. And the badger just like runs up to it and steps right on it. And I was like... (gasps) And they cut away, like right as the snap sound went off. And I know it's a movie, but man, the way that was shot was super unsettling and I did not like it. Yeah. Fun family movie. Yeah. So the badger is caught in the trap and Ben gets it out, but God damn it. Now the trapper douche's fucking dog is there and he and the badger get in a fight. Lobo. And that is like not fun to watch because both of those animals were obviously really pissed in real life. And I don't want to know how that scene got filmed. It made me really uncomfortable and angry. Yeah. Everything in me during that was like, Wow, so we shot this by releasing a badger and then releasing a dog on it. They were completely at odds. There was a couple shots where it's obviously strategic editing of like one snarling and then the other yep. snarling, but yep. then there were shots where they obviously just threw those two animals together and filmed them growling at each other and swiping at each other. Including the resolution to this scene. Oh yeah, the kid breaks up the fight because he hits the dog with a stick. Yeah, not his small little cane. He grabs like a full-on branch and just comes up to the back hindquarters of this dog and wails on him one good shot. And the dog goes off on the distance. Now, they probably added the sound effect and had the dog go running off. But yeah, the kid still, obviously didn't swing it that hard. You could tell it was a fake swing and that the whimper was added I, in post. Uh, but like, See, I the whimper I'll give you, the shot to the hindquarters, it looked like he wailed on that dog. Oh, I didn't think so. I thought it looked pretty fake. If so, they did a good job on that then. The next scene, guess where we are, Bob? Well, my guess is that since we were within the family's domain and we've seen the trap and we've seen the dog, that he followed the dog back to the farm. No, Bob, we're back in the motherfucking cave. Wait, wait, what? The cave that was anywhere from 5 to 25 miles away? Yes. We don't see them go back to the cave, just smash cut. We're sleeping in the cave again. Okay, so that was a dream sequence and that the dog and the badger never fought. Nope. For some inexplicable reason, they have walked the entire way back to the cave. And then the first words out of the kid's mouth are, I thought we'd be home now, badger. I ain't gonna cry. I ain't. This fucking movie, I can't. I can't. He deserves to cry because he just walked that inexplainable amount of distance and then back on what is basically a sprained, if not broken, ankle. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's called, we had to fill (sighs) two parts of a movie and we needed filler. Apparently. So we cut to a scene at home. Dad is feeling guilty for being too hard on the kid all the time. And he wishes for him to come home safely. And then a shooting star passes by. And Esther is convinced that obviously Ben's going to come home safe now because shooting star. Disney movie. So the family goes to church the next morning. And then more long scenes of people searching around on horses yelling Ben's name. And after they had the whole church thing, more people have volunteered to go on this search party. 
earlier in the movie, they had asked this guy, you know, to help with the search as well. And so he went out looking and apparently came up with something. And it was this plaid jacket. And he asks, Dad, is this your son's coat? It was found out in the woods. Dad couldn't identify whether it was his son's or coat or not. Now, this is an era in which you don't have multiple coats. You don't have multiple shoes. You don't know what your son's coat looks like. And it actually is a come-to moment for Dad as well. He actually does later on in the scene. He's like, I, I couldn't identify it. I couldn't... Uh, what does that say about me as a father kind of thing? So I see what we did there, but it also made me go, really? Which is a lot of this movie. So I'm not trying to harp on that. So then we cut back to the cave. Ben hears the sound of a horse outside. <sighs> Thank you. You're welcome. Good Foley work. Hey, I, you have me on this podcast for a reason. He hobbles outside and sees his brother John on the horse and he flags him down and John takes him home. The family has a big reunion. There's hugs. And then Badger walks up because apparently Badger can keep up with the pace of a running horse. Well, I mean, again, this is the Lewis and Clark of Badgers. That's this right. this Badger does what he wants. He, he can travel 25 miles if he needs to. Dad sees this Badger and he does what any farmer dad would do and grabs a shotgun and points it at the Badger ready to kill it. Yeah. But Ben steps in front of him and tells him the Badger is his friend. And the dad is... I'd say mildly disturbed, but also just lets the kid have his badger friend. Right. And, well, I mean, as we just said, you know, an American badger is nothing to screw with. And so your son just walks up and picks the sucker up and is like, what, what? You Clearly there's something going on there, if this is to be somewhat believed. So did they tie the badger up? But they definitely had a, a little bowl of water out there for him. I think it's just like chilling on their property He's just now. chilling there. Okay. Yeah. Next, we cut to the scene where Mom is feeding Ben a bowl of soup, and he starts reminiscing about all the terrible food that the badger, quote-unquote, brought him. <laughs> and it's this cute little scene. And then they look out the window, because there's a gunshot, and fucking Trapper Dick has just rolled up on their property and shot the badger. That he was technically hired to take out. I don't care, Bob. <laughs> the movie was over. There's literally no points for this to happen. The Badger is fucking dead. I hate this movie and everything sucks. Ben and Dad run out there to try to stop him. Dad rips the shotgun out of Trapper Douche's hands and Trapper Douche pulls a knife to start fighting with him. Yeah. Like, what is happening? I think it's a rifle. Oh, okay. uh, Dad empties the rifle of the ammo to be like, oh, now you can't use it. And as you said, Dudesy pulls a boot knife. And then instead of the dad using the big hunk of metal in his hands to deflect said knife, which would give him a lot longer reach than his little two-inch, three-inch knife that the guy pulls on him, he kind of, like, takes this weird fighting stance. And dad is clearly not a fighter. It is painfully obvious. But thankfully, John grabs another rifle, fires a warning shot next to Trapper Douche, and breaks up the fight. Dad kicks Trapper Douche off the property. But the badger is dead. But wait, it's not dead. Ben has picked up the badger and is walking off to go bury it, and it makes Aww. a noise. And you think, oh, it's alive! The badger's alive! He's like, oh, it's alive, I can hear it, and sits down with a heart-wrenching moment to sit there with Dad. I'm waiting for Dad to be like, yeah, we're good. Oh my gosh, we can save him! What does he say? Dad's like, yeah, she's alive, but probably not for long. We'll do our best. And then the kid is crying and crying and crying. 
Now, Dad uses this as a time to explain why he's so hard on Ben. He tells him the truth to save Ben pain later, because he loves him. And then they hug and stuff. And then narrator kicks in. She didn't make it. The badger fucking dies. Wow, wow. You got trolled by a badger death. Yeah, it's like, oh no, she's dead. Oh no, she's alive. Oh no, she's like barely alive. This don't look good. Like 70s what? dystopia takes over again. So turns out all this time, the narrator has been Ben himself as an older man. And now we have old man Ben visiting the grave of Badger, which is next to the cave. Which, by the way, he explains to us, is spelled B-A-D-G-E-R. Just so we get a little spelling lesson in here. Yeah, he was like, Dad made sure I spelled it right. Which was, like, cute. Like, the dad yeah. was helping him make a little gravestone. But then he proceeds to point to each letter and spell it for us. Thank you. <laughs> a hawk circles above him. And he says, I wonder if I can still call him down. And tries to whistle. And this poor old man, like, can't... Forgot how to whistle. Can't whistle anymore. And also... Bro, it's been over 60 years. That is not the same hawk. He dead. He dead, bro. He dead like your badger. <sighs> and that's the movie. He walks off the end. That's, that's the movie. And literally, like, Disney Plus didn't even get through the full badger grave hawk scene. It just minimized it and started telling us to watch the journey of Natty Gan. But they haven't rolled credit. Nothing... We're not even close to the end. Even Disney Plus didn't want us to finish this movie. It's kind of like what TBS does when they show four episodes of Friends in a row. Yeah. They'll just minimize the credits to the corner and just start playing the new one because yeah. we all know you're just going to sit here and keep watching Friends. Right. It was that, but the opposite. Like, we all know you're done here. So we're just yeah. going to shove this off to the side and you start looking for your next journey. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, here's, here's another movie with another canine in it. Go, That's bye. probably gonna fucking die. <laughs> okay, so, Bob, on a scale of one to five, fish ripped from the jaws of a badger. <laughs> how many oh. fish would you give this piece of shit movie? Uh, it gets a fish head. That's about it. That's all I can give it. Is a fish head a half of a I fish? I don't even know. Sure. That's a half fish. I'm also giving mine a half fish. <laughs> I hate this movie. I get what they were trying to do. It's just... Ugh. It's not good. And not even fun bad. Even Luck of the Irish was fun in its badness. This movie is just... Bad. The worst part for me is... I get things were different in the 70s. Like, like the, in the making of this film, a strong father male figure, like, that, I, I get it. Freaking that 70s show, Foreman's Dad, that's the world we were living in when this was made. Even for that time, this is bad. Yeah. I legitimately feel like the only redeeming part was kind of the arc of the dad. Learning yeah. to be more open about how much he loves his son and share that more. That's it. The kid does nothing, nothing, over the course of the movie. No. He apparently wanders 10 miles and then just turns around and wanders back, <laughs> if you want to call that contributing to his betterment. The animals- Don't give a fuck! The animals just show up and he takes food from yeah. them against their will. 
Like, I just... Th- yeah, again, I, I, I sit with my single fish head and also the name change should be the boy who talks to badgers and the badgers who didn't give a shit. I type up like a little outline for each episode and the outline for this episode is labeled the shithead who talks at badgers. <laughs> he does. He talks at badgers. Um, I do not have my dice handy. Do you want to roll for next week? Oh, sure. Please do better than I did. <laughs> I blame you for this. But that's the part of the game. We live and die by the dice. Using the lovely dice tower my wife made for me. Four hundred and fifty-six. Four five six is prom. One word, prom. We're going to prom, everybody. I don't even know what that is. Hold on, I have to look it up. I can't. I don't even remember from typing it up. Find your tuxes and your taffeta dresses. We're going to prom. It's from twenty eleven. Okay, at least it's newer. Several intersecting stories unfold at one high school as the big dance approaches. Some relationships unravel and others ignite in the precarious passage from high school to independence. So it's American Pie Disney style? Probably. Okay. All right. Prom it is. We hope you guys join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette and on Instagram, at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can email us the old-fashioned way at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. You know the drill. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by going to browsehousemedia.com and clicking the donate link at the bottom of the page. Speaking of, we had our first donor this past week. Thank you so much, Nick. We really, really appreciate it. He said that our next drink was on him, and literally he paid for our next trip to the ABC store for our drinks for this episode and the next one. So thank you so much. Yeah, we needed to reload. So yes, so much. Thank you. And thanks, as always, to Bob for co-hosting with me. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. And remember... You know what? Fuck this. This movie doesn't deserve a stinger. We're out. Bye, everybody. Cool.